the 165th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast. We win! 54 to 53! North Carolina did it! North Carolina wins the championship! With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Fred Brown looking, oh, way to worthy! Worthy five! The Star Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out foul. of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head, long outside shot. Short rebounded. May, it's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72, and how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champion pump fake for three too strong on the shot that's it the Tar Heels are the national daggum champion love guarded by Keels gets a screen pulls up for three got it Caleb from straight away here are your hosts Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back with you guys today. We are on the eve of the Thanksgiving holiday where Carolina is going to be out west. They're going to be competing in the Phil Knight Invitational, uh, also you know, being called the PK-85 as uh, Portland is hosting, I think it's 24 teams and 32 games over the Thanksgiving weekend between you know some of the elite Nike men's and women's college basketball schools. Uh, so it's going to be a, a, a fun week as Feast Week marches on the Maui Invitational on the day of recording. Their, their championship game is tonight, the uh, the Battle for Atlantis. It got underway uh, today as well. So as great as a football holiday as the Thanksgiving holiday is, and for us it's extra special because our two teams play each other on Thanksgiving, uh, with me being a Dallas fan, Anthony being a Giants fan for the first time in our lifetimes. Uh, and then you look at the rivalry weekend in college football, but college basketball also – uh, this this is also probably outside of Champ Week, the biggest week of the regular season from an ESPN standpoint, where there's basically college hoops on all day long, uh, you know, around all the football that that does take place, and that's where Carolina will find themselves when they play Portland tomorrow. We're going to break down the the matchup with the Pilots and give our keys to the game and, and stuff like that. But before we do any of that, we do as we always do in a preview edition of the pod. With uh, we start with our pod thought of the day, which is brought to you by DraftKings, and because it's Thanksgiving and football is a is a very prominent uh, sport for this holiday. Went to a legendary football coach for today's quote. We go to the great Bears coach George Hollis, who said, uh, "Nobody whoever re- whoever gave his best regretted it." And uh, you know, as, as Carolina heads out west, the first time they've played away from home this entire year, they've got to be prepared to to play their best basketball to come out of this thing victorious. You know, Portland, their first opponent is a team that they most likely, uh, you know, they should beat and most likely will beat. But after that, they will face, you know, legitimate Division One NCAA tournament type of teams, and we'll really start to see what this Tar Heel team, which is still ranked number one in the country 
is going to be made of as this really kicks off the part of their non-conference season where you know the, the competition steps up. You got the PK85. You, you, they're leaving from Portland Monday, going to Bloomington, Indiana on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Next Sunday, believe it or not, they're going to be playing an ACC game. They play Virginia Tech. Oh my God! They still got to play the CBS Sports Classic. They still got to play the Jumpman Invitational. So this is this is what really kicks off Carolina's non-conference portion of the season, and you know it's a good chance for them to figure out who they are as they get as 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 the the, the competition steps up and this team really starts to figure out what they're made of. Yeah, no, I mean there's no way around it now. This is the portion of the out of conference schedule where things get tough, um, and you mentioned. You got a a conference game that's sandwiched in there as well, but we knew this was the stretch that they had to deal with. We talked about this being the toughest stretch that Carolina had during the season uh, along with that stretch at the end of the year. We actually had that debate over the summer of which one was a tougher stretch, so we're going to learn a lot about this Carolina team. Now look, the thing that people have to realize is that if Carolina loses one of these games, that does not mean that the season is over. That doesn't mean that Carolina is not a good basketball team. Um, but you you are going to learn a lot about just how good this team is. And, you know, if, if you're kind of thinking to yourself, is Carolina really deserving of the number one ranking with what they've done so far this year? First of all, the answer is yes, because Carolina has done something a lot of other teams that are ranked so far this year have not been able to do, which is stay undefeated. But uh, I think also... You know, Carol, you're going to figure out whether or not Carolina, especially this weekend, I think you'll figure it out, whether or not Carolina really is, you know, that, that team that is consistently going to be in the top five all season long, or if they're a team that may fluctuate back and forth a little bit um, and, and in the rankings and, and maybe fluctuate between, you know, anywhere from the 20s or higher. I, I mean, I think... This this weekend will tell you a lot, and it's it, it, you know Portland. That's probably one that you think Carolina should win, and we'll talk more about that one in depth here. But then after that, you know Villanova's a team that's kind of struggled to start the year. Iowa State is a scrappy team that uh, we you know I feel like a lot of people really just don't know a whole lot about at this point of the year. Not like some of these other teams in this tournament, um, but I I think that. Carolina is more than capable of making it to the final, and if they do, then you could face a Michigan State team who has, you know, played uh, extremely well out of the gate. Also played an extremely tough schedule, so that would be a really tough test for Carolina. So I think you are you're going to learn a lot about this team. The good news is is that coming off of that performance against James Madison, I think you can feel pretty confident that you know what this team is going to be. I definitely feel like they're starting to trend in the right direction and be a team that's that's worthy of being ranked number one in the country. Something that has been discussed a little bit by the national talking heads, I do think, you know, with what Kansas has done with, with beating a top-ten team in Duke, if they go out and they win the battle for Atlantis, you could probably justify ranking them number one. Like what Houston's done to start the year, they've just looked better than Carolina, you know, over the course of the first two weeks. 
all that stuff that was going to start settling itself uh, as these teams start to play in, in more high-profile matchups, and Carolina's going to have a chance to to get a win or two this weekend. That that that, that is something that, that 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 they can really be proud of. Because as you mentioned, the other teams on their side of the bracket, they'll they'll play either the winner or the loser of Iowa State, Villanova, depending on what happens against Portland. And then the bottom half of the bracket, where they would either see, you know, in the title game or, or or somewhere else, is either UConn, a good team out of the Big East, an Oregon team that, you know, you could see if you watched their game against Houston the other night that they're going to be a factor in the Pac-12. Alabama, we know what Nate Oates is all about; those guards, the way they want to play. And then Michigan State, it looks like Tom Enzo has a scratch, uh, a, a scrappy bunch back out there in, in East Lansing. So there is a chance for Carolina to come away with some marquee wins as they start to, I'm not going to say to build their resume, but to really just justify all the preseason hype and expectations. But none of that can start until they get past Portland. And that's their first opponent on Thursday afternoon. This game will tip off at 1 o'clock over on ESPN. And the Pilots enter with the 4-2 and two record, with their wins being over Lewis and Clark, uh, Florida A&M, Portland State, and Air Force. Lewis and Clark, pretty good twosome right there. Two guys that can really score the basketball well. Yeah, they're, I was told that their high-low game was really, really good back in the what, 1800s or so. Yeah. And it's, I, it's really just translated into the modern day of, of, of college basketball. I mean, look, they've got a good trail of success. Um, they, they've really you know, withstood the, you know, the test of time, if, if, if you will. There are two defeats, though, um, Kent State and Seattle. So they haven't really beaten— Oh, the Supersonics? Yeah, they oh, haven't no. really beaten anybody. Oh, boy. And the two teams that they've lost to aren't ones that you're going to, you know, you know— beat down the drum for but they do have four guys that are averaging double figure scoring led by Tyler Robertson who averages 17 and a half points per game 5.2 rebounds 4.3 assists those other starters consist of Moses Wood who averages 13.8 points per game 7.6 rebounds 1.8 assists and then we got my guy Mike Meadows, 11.3 points per game. Oh, that's your guy? Four and a half rebounds per game and then 3.3 assists. And then a man by the name of Christian Solon, 12.2 points per game, 4.2 rebounds, and 1.2 assists. So That's my guy right there. You know, Portland, not a team that, you know, the, the record you know isn't sexy. It's not flashy. They haven't beaten anybody. But this is a capable offensive team. They're averaging over, you know, in in the high 70s. And as the stats will will show you here, they've got four guys that can kind of put the ball on the floor and score in a variety of different ways. And the good news for Carolina is they've already played a couple of teams that kind of play that same way on offense. You saw it against the College of Charleston, where Carolina's defense wasn't as good as it was the other day. But you look at what Carolina did against James Madison. We talked about how well they defended in that game. This seems like a a, a good chance for Carolina to carry that over into another game that, while this mid-major isn't as good as the one you saw on Sunday, they do have uh, offensive firepower that Carolina 
doesn't want you know can be exploited on the defensive end of the court. I mean, look, it's got to be a similar game plan. This is a team that can hurt you, uh, you know, with multiple guys that can score the basketball. Um, they're a team that shoots uh, for, shoots the ball well from the outside. So, look, that that's an area where Carolina is going to have to, you know, bring that same intensity that they brought in the game on Sunday. Um, it's in a place that is you know foreign to you. Um, I don't. Going to go out on a limb here. I know the game is in Portland, uh, Oregon, but I don't think there are going to be a ton of Pilots fans in the stands for this one at the Moda Center. Um, so, look, I, I mean, it is a place that you're unfamiliar with. Carolina may take a little bit of time to settle in. It might not be as dominant out of the gate, but it's got to be a similar game plan. And, and it goes back to Carolina. The, the way that Carolina gets off to a good start in this game is to come out and dominate the rebounding again. You did it the other day against a team that is a much better mid-major than you will face in this one, and you saw the difference that it made. That has to be the focus of this team. The good news, though, is, is look, as you mentioned, this this tournament is, is still pretty loaded. I know that there are some other... I mean, this is one of the best feast weeks that I've seen in a while, considering that you've got the Phil Knight Invitational, the Phil Knight Legacy Tournament. Um, you know, Both of them are separate from each other, but two really good tournaments that can produce really good matchups on our side. You know, as you mentioned, Michigan State or Alabama could be the team that lays there in the final. Same thing, can't count out UConn either. Um... So, you know, one of those teams uh, could make it there. But then also, um, you know, you've you've got, uh, you know, Carolina there. And then you've got some other great tournaments as well. But I think this one presents Carolina with an opportunity to really show how good they are. And I think these guys are going to come in motivated to do exactly that in this game. So... I, you know, I, I think it starts with this one. Uh, this will be a chance to sort of, you know, show people that the other day wasn't just uh, a fluke, and that you know this is we can expect more of what we saw in the first three games of the year. Um, and I think that, you know, it, it's a chance to show people that you, you know, have officially woken up and realized that it's time to look like the number one team in the country. Let's take a. Let's take a look at this game from a Tar Heel perspective. Carolina enters with a 4-0 record. The first time since the 2019-20 season they have achieved a 4-0 start. Like Portland, UNC does have four guys averaging double-figure scoring, led by Armando Baycott's 18.3 points per game. He's also averaging 11.8 rebounds. Caleb Love is putting up a 17.8 point-per-game stat line, along with 5.5 boards and 3.3 assists. R.J. Davis, 15.8 points, 4.8 rebounds, and 3 assists per game. And then Northwestern transfer, Pete Nance is at 10.5 points per game, along with 3.3 rebounds. In Portland, Carolina is 8-1 all-time, including 1-1 in the Moda Center, where this event will be held. Back in the 2017 PK-80 Invitational, Carolina did go 2-1, where they defeated 
this uh, or, or this same Portland program. They also defeated Arkansas before losing to Michigan State in the final, and that matchup against Portland five years ago is the only matchup all time between the two programs. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to get you the latest offer from DraftKings, and when we come back, we'll give our keys to the game and pick the game on the Four Corners podcast back right after this message from DraftKings. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy. Available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. The NBA season is heating up, and there are still so many games coming up. Like if you're a local fan of the Charlotte Hornets, the 76ers are in town. The Minnesota Timberwolves are in town. Or if you're a Knicks fan like me, there's a lot of games coming up as we get ready or as we continue to make our way through the NBA season where you can make plenty bets on the association. When I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money lines on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out, guys. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings. Go, go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, and more. The more the more you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win. So whether you're betting on just a straight up win, or how many you know threes Steph Curry is going to have, or how many rebound or rebounds Joel Embiid is going to have, you can place all those bets and parlays at DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TBPN. Place a five dollar pregame money line bet on any on on any NBA team to win their game and get a one hundred and fifty dollars in free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. Really hope you guys are taking a great advantage of logical offers I've been giving you on the Four Corners podcast. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough blog podcast. And, buddy, let's go ahead and let's dive right into this game with our keys to the game. And the first one I wrote down for Carolina is they need to create their own energy because this game is going to be played at 1 o'clock our time, but that's going to be 10 o'clock Pacific time. And, you know, on Thanksgiving, on Thanksgiving, and look, Carolina's fan base travels well. There will be a, a, a there will be a nice Tar Heel contingent that will be mm-hmm. in Portland for the weekend. But it's something that, like you know, I, I noticed even th- th- this week watching Maui. And now their time zone is five hours behind us. But when we're watching games at two thirty, those games are being played at nine o'clock in the morning, local time. And so it, it's it's really not surprising that you kind of see you know, bad offense or just a lot of sloppy basketball early on in the day. And then usually by, you know, 1130 our time where it's it's in the evening in, in, in those places, those teams are a lot more, you know, energized. They're a lot more awake and ready to play. And so I think that's something that Carolina has got to be mindful of is that their body clock's going to be out of whack. Um, and they're playing at a very unique time where, you know, there's going to be some people in the gym, but it is a holiday weekend, and Carolina is going to have to create 
create their own energy. It's, it's kind of like whatever you see teams when they play the first day of the ACC tournament. No matter where it is, because now it's a five-day event where the first day, even if a local team is in the building, it's like, you know, for Greensboro, for example, it's still not it's still not a, a, a active crowd. And the coaches talk about, you know, we got to create our own energy because there's not going to be a whole lot in the building. And so I think that's something that Carolina's got to get, got, got to battle. The, the second two days of the tournament, because of the opponents, because of, you know, what, what will be later time slots for Carolina if they win, there will be a lot more natural energy in the building. But that won't be the case tomorrow. And so I do think the first thing for Carolina, and we've seen this team kind of sleepwalk through the first half, even sometimes in the second half, is to come out and be ready to play. I mean, look, they have one of the earliest tips on Thursday. And and I, I think it's definitely something that they have to be aware of. As you mentioned, it's still going to be morning in Portland. So how many people are really rolling out and, and are going to be in there? There will be some Tar Heel fans in the building. But yeah, it's going to be a sleepy environment. It's one that's easy to overlook because, look, you came off of playing what has been your best game of the season so far. And you're rolling in against an opponent that, as you mentioned, has lost to Kent State and Seattle to you know early on in this season. So yeah, it's it's got to be... Carolina's sort of finding their own energy early on. Uh, Carolina's just got to come out. And to me, I think the way that you find your own energy is to build a little bit of confidence with some easy baskets early on. That's what you need to do. I thought the other day against James Madison, one of the things that they did a really good job of early in the game was playing inside out. And I know that that is ultimately not the way that Hubert Davis's teams will always play when he gets thing you know, the guys that he wants in there that's still the way this team has to play because you've got Armando Baycott in the middle and we've said it we believe that this is the best player in the country there are arguments for other guys but I think it is very clear that Armando Baycott right now is the best player in the country when he is on so Carolina needs to give him the ball. Give him those easy baskets the way you did the other day. They did a great job of putting him in position with the passes that they made. Let's do the same thing in this game. And if you can get off to a fast start like you did the other day, that kind of just sets the tone for this entire game. Do I, you know, is is Carolina guaranteed to blow this team out? No. Because they haven't really done that the entire season to anybody. They had a pretty significant lead. I mean, there has only been one game this year where you really questioned, is Carolina going to lose this game in the second half? Um, And that was Gardner-Webb. Every other game, they've sort of taken care of business pretty early in the second half. I, I feel like Carolina can do that in this game. But I also feel like if Carolina gets off to that good of a start... This might be a team that isn't quite able to fight back, and and that's kind of what I want to see for this Carolina team because that's the next step building off of what we saw Sunday. My second key to the game for Carolina is, and I'm with you, I think they need to play inside out. They need to play through Armando Baycott. They need to play through Pete Nance. they got to start making perimeter shots. Through four games right now, Carolina is averaging shooting 29% behind the three-point line. 
that's not sustainable and for, for Carolina to get where they want to get to in the regular season, let alone in the postseason. I think the biggest reason why is rhythm and spacing, mm-hmm. where this offense, you know, hasn't clearly been in uh, you know in, in a rhythm like I think we thought it was starting over this this year with four starters back from last year's you know national champion runner up, um, and, and you factor in Pete Nance and stuff like that. But at some point, you know, they're going to start falling. And I think the biggest thing for Carolina is to not force them. There's been, you know, four or five shots I've really gotten upset at that they've taken behind the perimeter because and, and the thing for RJ Davis and Caleb Love to get where they want to get to as shooters is to shoot their way out of it. You're never gonna come out of a you're never gonna come out of a slump. Um if 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 you quit shooting, that's why I still continue to shoot my shot in all the dating apps. But, still in a slump, though. Yeah, it's it's been like a six month slump. But but I think that's something that and Carolina's got three games in four days. Mm-hmm. So you feel like if they start hitting them, that'll carry over into the next game. That'll carry over to the next game. And then yep. we'll you know we'll show up and we'll be in Portland or we'll be in Bloomington and say, well now we're shooting thirty five percent as a team. Love and Davis have gotten their numbers up into the, you know the mid to high thirties, which is where they're going to most likely be anyway because they're volume shooters. And even for a guy like Pete Nance, I think. One thing that you've seen him, especially the last two games, is he was he's no longer hesitant. The first two games he was timid. He was afraid to shoot the basketball. And you could hear you could hear Hubert Davis on TV in the Gardner Webb game yelling him to shoot it. And and there's a, you know he, you know there's often the saying that they're open for a reason, but he's a capable perimeter shooter. He shot forty five percent from three last year. Like come on, don't that, anybody that says that about Pete Nance, they just don't know the player. So so I feel like that's something where, given the amount of games, you know, mm-hmm. with three games in four days. If, if Carolina can just get hot and get into a rhythm, it could be really important because I do think if they want to come out of this thing 3-0 and and win their bracket because they won't be able to quote-unquote win the tournament because they're, they're, they're just brackets, I do think they'll have to shoot well from the perimeter in at least two of them. Well, I mean, look, there's a chance that they could end up facing Alabama, and if they play that team, they're going to have to shoot the ball well. There's no doubt because, you, as you said, that's a guard-led basketball team. I I agree with you. I think the biggest thing when when you talk about this is they haven't really gotten bad looks. It's not like they're forcing things. There have been a couple. I mean, look, there there were a couple in the game against Charleston uh, and even in the first game of the year where Caleb Love, R.J. Davis would just pull one pull, pull up from you know well beyond the three point line with still plenty of time on the clock kind of left me scratching my head um but I think you know for the most part they've gotten good looks and you saw in the first half of the game on Sunday Carolina was knocking down those shots from the outside they hit seven in the first half Mm -hmm. so it, it you thought okay they've gotten into a bit of a rhythm but in the second half they only knocked down one I just, to me, I think it's going to, it, it, you, they are going to find themselves from beyond the arc. You shot too well from behind the arc a year ago for you not to eventually find that rhythm. But what it's showing is just how important Brady Manic was. Brady Manic was automatic at the end of the season for Carolina when they needed those big threes. Right now, they just they don't really have that guy. And I will say this, I, Leaky Black is shooting a lot better from the outside. That is one positive to take away. I think the area where you're gonna where 
if Carolina is going to take a step as a perimeter shooting team, it's got to come from, because as you said, Love and Davis, they're kind of doing what they're going to do the entire season. Mm. If the shots fall, then they will. If they don't, hey, they're still going to keep shooting the ball at a high volume. You need the guys off the bench to start producing from three. And I think with Puff Johnson returning, I think with Seth Trimble, Tyler Nickel, having some time to settle in, you'll start to see that sort of uptick. The question is, though, can that bench unit produce starting with this game on Thursday from beyond the arc? If they do, I think Carolina will be able to have a pretty successful night offensively. My last key has been a key so far in every game, but but now it's it's a little bit different because they are starting to rebound the ball better. Mm-hmm. But I still think it needs to be a key because, first off, Carolina averages 38.5. Portland's at 37.2. There's not a wide you know disparity in the rebounding margin. I don't want to see Carolina get complacent in that department. And it felt like in the first three games this was a team that thought because their jersey said North Carolina and they had a guy like Armando Baycott they were going to walk out there and not rebound opponents and instead you got out rebounded your first two games and your third game you won the rebounding margin over Gardner Webb but only by two against a team that entered that contest being ranked 340th in the country in rebounding that last game against Charleston though 50 to 34 on the glass for Carolina Armando Baycott and Leakey Black both set career highs for individual rebounds in a game. Those two dudes combined out-rebounded James Madison as a team. I'm not saying to come out, you know, I'm not I'm not expecting that type of production again in this game, but I want to see that carry over because you know from Friday on you're going to play teams that are NCAA tournament level teams. And, you know, you're going to really find out what you are made of in that department. This could be something where if Carolina comes out and they win the rebounding margin three straight games, we'll probably, you know, come back and say, hey, look, they're, 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 the rebounding woes have been corrected. This is a team that's going to be one of the one of the nation's best in rebounding the ball once again. If not, if you get out-rebounded and – one one or even two of the games, it'll continue to be an element of the game that we have to monitor. And I think that's something that for us, that's one thing we didn't we didn't think we had to worry about entering the year. So it'd be nice to, especially with the schedule heating up, to not worry about this team being able to hold its own on the glass. Yeah, and and I mean, look, I I was the guy that brought up that I was concerned about how the season started off on the glass. But the other day, to me, sort of eased the concern that I had. And I don't know, maybe that's, in some people's mind, maybe that's a little too quick. But that looked like a, that, that looked like the type of performance that we know Carolina is capable of. And it came against a team that was averaging 44 rebounds per game coming into that matchup. So, I mean, that's that's kind of where I'm at. I think I feel confident that Carolina will come out and put up a great performance on the glass in this one. But you're right. If they don't, we're kind of right back where we were after the Gardner-Webb game. And it's all about the effort. This one kind of ties in with sort of creating your own energy, really just bringing your, your own energy to this game. You have to be motivated in this game because you can't get to a point where you're sleepwalking again because, as you mentioned, if you have to play Villanova, even Iowa State, 
those are those are the best. Either one of those two opponents are the best opponent that you will have played this season when you face them. So it's not going to be easy to just all of a sudden turn it back on if you have another off night rebounding. But I think the other the other day some guys saw the light. I think one Armando Baycott saw that. Look, when you put all your effort into it, you will be dominant, and we need you to be that dominant because. I mean, as you saw, look, there was a part, uh, a point early in that second half where it was still a game. And I think Leaky Black saw just how important his rebounding is going to be this year. Hey, man, we brought in Pete Nance, but Pete Nance doesn't, he doesn't look exactly like the guy that we saw at Northwestern in terms of what he's doing on the glass. So you have to be able to bring that same intensity to this game. I think that... What was said after the Gardner-Webb game, to me, it feels like this team received that message well. I think you'll see that carry over into this game against Portland and Carolina. I expect them to have a dominant performance on the glass. But yes, as we saw the other day, it all starts with what you do there for this Carolina team. Carolina enters with an 80.4% chance to win the game, according to ESPN's Basketball Power Index. What do you think happens as we start our Thanksgiving festivities off with Carolina basketball at 1 p.m. against Portland in their proverbial backyard? I know that you've probably heard this multiple times. Maybe It may be every time that we have come on this podcast outside of the first two games because, yes, of course, we thought Carolina would have their most dominant performance of the year in each of those first two games. But I feel like this is the one where Carolina could come out and absolutely dominate. The other day, I don't think we knew that. We knew that. Um, maybe I didn't say it before that one. I said most complete performance. This one could also fit that category as well. But I do feel like Carolina should be able to win this game comfortably. Um, it, it This is a team that comes in struggling. There, there were a lot of things that... that James Madison did really, really well. And look, this is a team in Portland that has scored the ball pretty well so far this year uh, at 79.2 points per game. But outside of that, they don't really do a whole lot else great. So, you know, I I think Carolina gets it done. Um, and I think they, they, they pull away. I mean, look, this is one where I think at halftime it could probably be similar to what it was the other day. But I don't think there will be a second-half run to start out. I think Carolina uses that second half to pull away, and they get a pretty comfortable victory over the Portland Pilots at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Yeah, I'm with you. The last time Carolina saw Portland in the same event, they ran them out of the gym. I think that'll be kind of more the case in this one just because Portland, I don't think, has the horses to to, to run with a team like Carolina. Carolina's played some good mid-majors to start the year. They don't have the Jets. Um, You know, the College of Charleston's a quality opponent. They beat Virginia Tech last weekend. Uh, We've seen what James Madison is capable of doing. I don't think Portland has enough jet fuel to to, to stay in it with Carolina uh, in in this one. So I I don't know if it'll be 
you know, their most complete performance. I still think Carolina will leave some stuff out there on the court, but I do think this will be a game where, where Carolina, you know, will come out, take care of business, so they can go down to the, the dining hall and have some Thanksgiving dinner, and while they watch America, t- America's team do what they do best on Thanksgiving, which is which is win football games, and that's what's going to happen tomorrow. I think Carolina will improve to five and zero, and then they'll wait to find out their opponent for Friday. Well, no matter what happens tomorrow afternoon, we're going to have you. Come Covered on HeelToughBlog.com and right here on the podcast. But, but first, a little bit about the website. Head over to HeelToughBlog.com, guys, where it's a busy week for us with, with Carolina basketball playing three games in four days. Uh, we're going to have you covered with previews and recaps of every game individually um, as, as, as we'll take you through the Phil Knight Invitational. As for the football side of things, they got NC State on Friday afternoon. Anthony will get you ready with a preview of the game. Then we'll have you covered with a recap of the game, as well as Carolina's regular season does come to an end against the hated Wolfpack. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. We're on every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners Podcast, where we will pop up. We do encourage you guys to rate and review the podcast. I saw some new reviews on Apple the other day. We appreciate you guys for those. Continue to leave more. Give us feedback. I don't care if it's positive or negative. We we do want to hear back from you guys. But most importantly, we do encourage you guys to hit that subscribe button. As I mentioned, we're going to be here for the entire holiday weekend, previewing and recapping these Carolina games. That's right. We got no lives, and we love it. So make sure you hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any additions as as we continue to cover the Carolina basketball season. Well, with that, it's going to wrap up this edition of the show. want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. want to thank you guys for listening. Happy Thanksgiving, and go Tar Heels. Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that.